Hi, my name is Scott, and I'm a member with Restored Church. If you are new, we want to welcome you, and thank you for tuning in. We believe the church is not an event, but a family you belong to. So we would love the opportunity to connect with you. If you want to learn more about our church, or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, www.restoredtemecula.church, and click on Contact. We also have a mobile app with resources, including our Sunday messages, information about upcoming events, and other ways to connect. You can download our app on the Apple or Android app stores. With all that said, we hope you enjoy the message. I love you guys. Beautiful. Okay, well, uh, I'm going to introduce Mark here in just a second, but I want to cast some vision uh, for why we're doing what we're about to do. So typically, uh, man, I want to be careful what I say here. Typically, uh, the pulpit can be a space that is reserved for one person, and that person is usually a man. Um, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. I think it's wonderful. I think that there's something really profound and powerful about um, a pastor devoting himself to, to equipping and training and teaching the scriptures to his flock, ultimately Jesus' flock. It's wonderful. Um, one of the things that we value here as a church is we value this idea of multiplication. Um, it's, it's literally ingrained in the fabric of creation Everything from uh, God creating trees that then bear fruit, that then have seeds and scatter those seeds. It's crazy to think about this. Like one acorn seed has within it the capability of an entire forest. That level of multiplication is, is, is something that I think is in God's heart and his desire for his creation. So if we apply the same thing to you and I, God has poured out his spirit into the Christian. Literally, like, if you're in Christ, the spirit of God dwells in you that empowers you. It's like the life-giving force um, for you to uh, live as Jesus would live if he was you. And what we want to, one of the reasons why we exist as a church is to see men and women, boys and girls, grow in spiritual maturity. Because I don't know if you know this, but you were genuinely created with a purpose. You're important. You matter. And God has gifted each one of us and is is empowering and equipping those gifts for the sake of his glory and for the sake of the good of other people and frankly, for our own enjoyment as well. And so whenever we have the opportunity to identify gifts in people and to then come alongside them, encourage them, coach them, equip them, blow wind into their sails to operate in those giftings and grow in those giftings, we want to take advantage of that. Whether it's uh, uh, leading gospel community, whether it is uh, in different service aspects in the church, whether it's the pulpit, whether it's the band, all these various opportunities for us to grow and to give ourselves over to seeing God through his spirit multiply gifts in the church, we want to to do it, okay? That's what's happening this morning. Um, Mark, come on up. You guys welcome Mark. I really love this man. Not only is he my spiritual brother, he is my biological brother. And so there's a lot of affection flowing through my veins right now towards him. I'm so proud of him. Guys, hear me. The message that he's prepared this morning, not only are you going to be engaged by and it's going to be helpful, it's great content. It really, really is strong, biblically faithful, wonderfully kind of even shepherding heart content. But hear me, like, 
there's so much more going on. I really believe this is like a word for our church. I believe that God has uniquely um, called Mark to lead the way in this specific area of praise in our community. And I don't know if you know this, but you were created for praise. It's part of who, it's part of, like genuinely, it's part of God's design for your life. And so I'm so excited for you guys to hear this message. Mark's been working really, really hard on it. I genuinely believe it's going to bless you. And so here's how we're going to kick things off. I'm going to invite his lovely bride, Cassie, to come up and pray for your man. And then we'll turn it over. Sound good? Cool. Jesus, just so thankful that you saw Marky um, and you chose him as your son. Um, thank you that I've had a front row seat in watching um, like the old Mark be put to death and um, like you literally changed him and made him new. Um, and it's been beautiful watching him learn um, how to respond to that. Um, in worship and praise with his whole life. Um, and it's really led me in the way to see how you are worthy. Um, and I pray that Mark's story um, of learning um, how to worship you, that would be all of our stories, really. Um, so, Spirit, um, just ask that you would open our hearts this morning to hear what you want us to hear, and that you would use Mark. Um, to bring you glory, um, yeah, and that you would invite all of us into more personal um, and intimate worship. Um, we love you, and we thank you for this morning. We thank you for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so because we want to create a culture of honor here, and because we're people of grace, grace is getting what you don't deserve, right, before he even says a word. Will you just like erupt with praise and love for him? You guys are amazing. Um, Yeah, I'm really excited this morning. I'm excited that I get a minute to share. I just kind of want to sit for a moment. If you don't mind, I don't get this vantage point. I get this vantage point every week. But just in the quiet you know, without anything else going on, just to see your faces. It's really beautiful that I get to share. And I feel honored that you guys would like give of your time, like three or four hours just to hear me talk for a few this morning. Um, I'm going to go ahead and start my timer. Um, As Tom mentioned, many of you know this about me, but just a quick intro. My name is Mark Logue. We are biological brothers, and I'm a member of this restored church family. Um, Husband to the incomparable Cassie Logue, the most incredible woman I've ever met. We have a one-and-a-half-year-old son, Shepherd Dean Logue, who you probably saw here with me during our praise time. He is a lot of fun. Really enjoy him. He's a firecracker. Uh, additionally, a little bit of information that maybe you, some of you may not know, some of you may know, our little family is also growing. So, yes, incredible. Um, it's really early on. We're about 10 weeks along-ish, right? Um, but exciting, as many of you know, the second can be fun and exciting and like, oh my God, what happened? What are we doing? So, um, uh, I grew up here in the Temecula Valley. Uh, I grew up in what is now Wildemar, what was formerly Lake Elsinore, um, 909 area code back then. And Cassie and I have had the privilege of being a part of three of the restored family of churches 
Uh, I've been a part of the Restored Family Churches since about 2014. So we started in Uptown, um, and then we're uh, sent off to be a part of the South Bay community, and of course, arrived here uh, about four years ago uh, to be a part of the Restored Temecula community. So it's been a fun, fun ride. Uh, I also have the privilege of functioning as the worship director here with the church, um, and I've had uh, the privilege and honor of giving myself over to that in full-time capacity uh, since August of 2020. Um, For those that don't know, that's a, a fun story for another time. Um, but yeah, I do have a history of part and full-time vocational ministry, um, in the local church and kind of as Cassie was praying, my story really is marked by, um, by Jesus's radical and persistent pursuit of me and his consistent desire to see me live, um, live a life that reflects what it truly means to be human. Kind of like what Tom was talking about. Uh, and that's what we're actually going to talk a bit about today. What it means to be truly human, how God would define humanity today. Um, and many of you know this about me as well. I do have an affinity for music. I love music. Music's a big part of my life. Um, yeah, it's been a part of my life since I can remember. I can't remember a time where music hasn't been a really big part of my life. And as I came into contact with the church over time uh, and the person of Jesus, I was really drawn to praise and worship delivered or, or offered through this musical expression Right? It's always been a powerful means of connection and engagement between me and God. And it's very personal to me. Like it's a very personal way that he and I connect. But it's also been incredibly communal. Um, it has involved uh, the family of God as well. The impact of music in my life is a gift that God has given me. And I would argue to all of us, it's a gift that he's given all of us. Um, it's literally changed the course of my eternity. God used music to reveal to me like his beauty his grace, the intimacy of relationship that I have with him now, um, that I'm a beloved son and that he's like really, really good. He's used music to do that. Uh, And my son Shepard loves music as well. He is big into it and I've got instruments all throughout the house. So he's been able to discover them as a one and a half year old and he likes the guitar for sure. He definitely likes the piano, but he absolutely loves, he loves the drums. Uh, He affectionately refers to the drums as bum. Uh, We're working on the Ds, but uh, they're bums in our house. And every time he sees them, he'll yell at them and want to play them. So he would play 24-7 if we didn't pry him from the drum kit at home. But there's a song that's become popular in the church. We sang it this morning, Graves into Gardens. Love that song. Uh, That song in our house is the bum song. For whatever reason, I don't know if it's the drums going on, but he calls it the bum song. And that is a, without a doubt, that's his favorite song right now. Uh, He would listen to that 24-7 as well if we didn't change the track. Um, And and I'll say this, it's a massive upgrade from his previous favorite song, which was Baby Beluga. For those of you who know, you know, that can drive you a little bit mad. Um, But a couple months ago, I was spending the morning with Shep. Um, We call him Shep. And uh, my wife, Cassie, was out working out with the incomparable Sarah Ressler. Where's she at? She's doing stuff. Okay. Um, at any rate, so I was spending the morning with Shep while she was out. Uh, and that morning, I was really tired. So I pulled the lazy dad cop out. And I was like, hey, do you want to watch Mickey Mouse? So I can, like, sit. And you can sit. And we can watch. And, and he loves Mickey Mouse, so it's not a big deal. But it was a bit of a cop out for me because I was tired. Uh, and, and so, um, immediately as I said that he pointed to the TV and our TV sits above our fireplace kind of mantle there. He points up the TV and he goes, bum, 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 bum. 
which I know means he wants to, uh, to watch the YouTube for Graves into Gardens. Um, and so, of course, I was like, yes, we got him in on the TV. That means I can kind of chill a little bit, though I didn't. So we put it on. I held him standing in my living room while we watched, just like I held him this morning. I hold him. I face the TV, and he faces out towards the TV as well. And we're standing there um, engaging with this song, and we put it on in my living room, and I started to kind of sing along with it because I, I like it. Of course, it's relevant truth about God. It's amazing. Um, and to my amazement, my son, Shepherd, he began to praise. Uh, my one-year-old son began to raise his hands, and it was really cute. Like, he just does this, <clears throat> it's like so, uh, so not choreographed. But he began to raise his hands as the music began to, like, stir him up. Like, the drums start beating, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Where it's like, oh, ho, 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 ho. And my son, I could see him respond that way. It was really, really fun. Um, and he would sway and wiggle, and it actually, like, it touched me. Like, I really found a lot of pleasure in that. And so, like, I affirmed him, and then I was like, yes, my boy, Jesus loves us. And I crank it loud at the house. Like, I don't, it's like 7.30, 8 in the morning, and it is probably keeping the neighbors. They're like, turn it down. But I can't help it. Um, but, yeah, so, so we're, we're there in my living room, and I was touched. And, and as soon as the song ended, like, the second it faded to black, my son immediately turned around to me, and he signed to me, more, more, more. And I was like, oh, yeah, let's have some more. And so that morning we allowed YouTube's algorithm to curate a time of praise and worship for us. And it was on point, let me tell you. Um, But me and my boy, um, we enjoyed some time of worship. At the end of every song that would pass, he would look at me and he would sign, more, daddy, more. I'm like, oh, yes. And as the music stirred him, he would dance in my arms and he would wiggle and he would sway and he would throw his hands up and he would, he would lean in trying to like get himself out of my hands so he could float, but he can't, he would fall and plummet, but he would point to the sky and we worshiped together guys, like after end of every song, more and more for like 30 minutes straight, nonstop. And it was beautiful. And it was like really compelling for me to watch my son give himself over in that way. Like my eyes were filled with tears too. Because these truths were sinking in and it was like this weird, beautiful thing of like me and my son enjoying this and my son enjoying the truth. He didn't understand everything, but I knew he was enjoying himself. See, my son didn't care about how he looked. And I honestly can't say like I or we or collectively we like taught him this, right? It wasn't like we taught him choreography, but he was totally free to express himself. And he always is. He's a, he's a baby, right? Like whether it's with a cry or a scream, he'll express himself. Or in this case, like a dance or a praise or a shouting. Watching my son give himself over to the moment like that had a profound impact on me. I was moved and it helped me see in a deep and profound way that morning, just how amazing God is, like how transcendent he is and, and the beautiful gift that music is for me, for us. And my son was just being himself, He was just operating as a free human being who appreciated music clearly in that moment and who wanted to be continually caught up in the moment that we were sharing. So he asked for more of it. Um, He was being in the truest sense a free human being. Singing, moving, dancing, having fun and enjoying himself and dare I say, enjoying Jesus. See, my son didn't need to learn to be freely expressive. He didn't need to learn that. It was pure and it was natural for him. And so I want to ask the question of us today, where along the road did we lose that? Where did we lose that pure and natural just expressiveness physically, 
vocally, etc. Where do we lose that and why? So today we're going to talk about how music and singing praise through music are connected to being truly human. Like those two aren't separate. Humanity and singing God's praise, those are interconnected realities. And we're going to talk about that a bit today what God would define human to be. And, and I want to share from a conviction from God's word, not my opinion. Um, so we're going to jump into some scripture to see what God has to say about being human, how he would define it, what he would say it means to be human and to live this regenerate life that we have in Jesus. So we're going to jump into Colossians 3 today. We're going to be in verses 15 through 17. Um, so go ahead, grab your Bibles if you have them. If not, the words should be up on the screen. But before we jump into the word... Um, I just want to pray quick for our time again. Would you guys pray for me, with me, for this time? Let's pray. (sighs) Father, I really am grateful for you this morning. The reality is that I would not be in this room and I would not have relationship with these beautiful people if it weren't for your pouring out and lavishing grace on my life and on all of our lives. And so I'm just so aware of that this morning. And I'm really honored Um, just to be in this space, that that your family, that your beloved brothers, that my beloved brothers and sisters, your beloved kids would like give me their ear for a minute. Um, I'm so grateful. And so I just pray, Holy Spirit, this morning that that your word would be spoken to us, that you would write the truth that you want us to receive this morning deep on our hearts. Anything that's from me and not uh, that is a distraction from what you want to accomplish, I pray would just roll right off our shoulders. Um, but that you would um, speak truth in and through me, that you would use me as like a mouthpiece, as a, as a vocal box for you to share the truth of the goodness of Jesus with these beautiful people and the truth of your beautiful and profound love and what it means for us to be truly free and truly human as you would define it. So be with us, I ask, Holy Spirit. Encourage us. Um, yeah, and let, this, let us have a little bit of fun this morning, I ask Jesus. In your precious and holy name, I come to you, Father. Amen. Amen. Okay, so first, uh, excuse me, Colossians 3. <clears throat> Before we jump into those two verses, I want to just provide some context because there's a lot happening in Colossians. Uh, so uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing a letter to the, the Colossian church, okay? And he's writing this letter from prison. And so leading up to the point that we're about to jump into in the text, Paul, uh, effectively from the beginning up until where we're at, he just gives them Jesus, man. Like chapter one, he hits the gospel hard. This is Jesus, what he's done for us and what it implies. Then he moves into like talking about his suffering from prison and how it's like he's like rejoicing in it. It's like so worth it for him um, to suffer for Jesus' sake and for the sake of his church. Um, And he also addresses kind of the pressures to turn away from faith in Jesus and his ways and the pressures of like other religions to kind of to to seep into the the gospel uh, message. And and then in chapter three, he also begins to explore the, the new resurrection life that we have, like the new way of life that Jesus's resurrection has opened up for the church. That our old life died with Christ like it was crucified. It's dead. It's finished like we talked about a couple weeks ago, right? Um, And he's describing what this new life looks like, right? Like our old human nature and its contrast with what it truly means to be human as God would define it. That's what he talks about in Colossians. He says things like, if you've been raised with Christ, seek things above. 
Our old life has died with Christ, therefore, we always talk about that therefore being a big hinge piece, right? So if your old life died with Christ, in light of that, live that out, he says. Put to death idolatry, greed, lust, anger, slander, malice, etc. He's talking about living that out. That in Jesus we have new life, we're united as one body, right? There's no Greek, Jew, you might have heard this before, circumcision, uncircumcision, slave, free, or in our context, maybe Republican, Democrat, um, progressive, conservative, those things are not what define us. There is one body. Therefore, in light of that, live that out. Put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with one another. Receive Jesus' forgiveness and forgive. And above all, you may have heard this one as well, put on love in order that we might be united. He says all of these things. Paul in in Colossians here is calling on the church not to live in a conceptual space, to acknowledge this is true. Yeah, Jesus died. Great. No, he's, he's calling us to actually and practically operate in this new reality, to like step into it, to live that out, right? Does that make sense? Okay. I love this quote. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a movie guy. I'll tell you right now, Eric and I would relate in this. The Matrix is one of my favorite movies. Many of you will laugh at me for that. But there's a quote in The Matrix, Morpheus is talking to Neo. If you know the characters, it's awesome. Not necessary for this quote, but he says, there's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. I love that. And as I was stewing on the context of Colossians, like I I had this picture, like can you imagine with me for a second if movies, like you go to the movies, you get in your seat and you grab your popcorn and up comes the screen and on the screen is just an actor sitting in an office with a white painted walls just reading the script to you out loud. Like they're just reading the script. There's no wardrobe. There's no like crazy scenery. There's not crazy cinematics. It's just an actor sitting there in their normal everyday thing reading the script to you. There, there's a massive difference between experiencing that and experiencing all of the intentionality that goes into actually acting that out, right? Does that make sense? Like how much more captivating and convincing is it when you go to the movies and there's all those things? Um, so like, hear me, I'm not asking that we become actors here. I'm not going to bring that up to say we should act, we should act a certain way. But do you understand my point here? Like Christians, Paul's saying through the text here, are to live out the life that's been written on our hearts by the Spirit of God made possible by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We're called to live that out. And so where we pick up, Paul has written, urging the church to put on the new self, to live a regenerate life, telling us that the old nature we lived under has been and must be continually, it's ongoing, put to death, and that we're now free to live a new, empowered life and nature. And he then describes that to us early in chapter 3, and it culminates here in these few verses. So let's take a look now together, Colossians three fifteen to seventeen, starting in verse ten, and let the verse fifteen, excuse me, and let the peace of Christ, to which you are also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing. Real quick, let's pause. I just want to focus on those two words, teaching and admonishing, because uh, they're a bit different, uh, but they're very similar. So. Uh, defining terms is really important, I think, too. So teaching would be, we all know what teaching is, like to prevent information or to communicate or impart truth, right? Just giving information. And admonish would be a bit different, and it's more like a caution. Think like advice um, or to like warn away from error, like an exhortation or counseling, or even like, I like it, it's helpful, like elaborating on information that might already be known to, to the hearer. Um, so teaching would be like, hey, the fire emitting from that stove, it's really hot. Right, I just taught you about that. To admonish in that would be like, don't touch the stove, it'll burn you because it's really hot. Does that make sense, that distinction? 
Okay, so let's pick back up verse, six, uh, verse 16 again. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So, Given all the context we just talked about going on in Colossians, Paul's writing about this new life. Given all that context, Paul's basically saying that to live in Christ means we put to death what belongs to our earthly nature. We live in peace and unity, united as one in the singing of our praise. In the singing of our praise in God's kingdom from the overflow of the love that we've received from him. In short, Paul's saying, put on the new self and sing your face off because you have good reason to. So I want to talk today about this concept of praise through song, of singing musical praise to God. And and I really want to personalize it for us. I don't just want to be up here like delivering content or teaching. I want it to be personal for us. I want us all to receive. I hope that we will. And that's my prayer. So I have four aspects, uh, four points, if you will, on singing musical praise that I want to talk through. Uh, And I want to talk through them because I think they'll be really helpful um, in encouraging us to live out this new life that involves singing God's praise. So the four things uh, that we're going to talk about are, first, the ways in which we praise. Second, the purpose of our praise. Third, the impact of our praise. And fourth, the barriers to our praise. So let's jump into that first point, the ways in which we praise. Like, how do we praise? Uh, Well, we sing, as we just read, among other things. Did you know that singing and musical expression, musical, musical expressions of praise are, are, are documented or referenced over 400 times in the scripture? 400 times. And of those 400 times, like 50 of them are commands in scripture. That means it's really important. Like praise isn't limited to singing, but singing is really important in the life of the Christian, of the follower of Jesus. Jesus himself sang. And he would have led his disciples in singing praises to the Father. Mark and Matthew's gospel accounts. Um, Many of you who have the Lord's Supper gatherings, right, or who are part of those, we we talk about this in Matthew and Mark's gospel accounts. Jesus' last meal with his disciples before he's about to be crucified. They give thanks, they eat, and they drink the grace of God to be displayed through Jesus. And then they sing a hymn of praise as they go up to the Mount of Olives. Like, can you imagine that for a minute? Jesus was about to endure unimaginable pain and suffering and he's singing praises to God. It's beautiful. And he's teaching and he's leading the way in that. Jesus sang praise to the Father. It's certainly a part of how we praise. Some of you may remember a couple years back we did a sermon series called Behold where we talked about beholding the beauty of Jesus and responding with with worship. Um, We talked about the seven Hebrew words of praise used in scripture. Uh, We have one word in English. Hebrew has seven they're very, uh, very helpful and much more specific to our one general term. So I want to walk through those quick because I think it will be helpful as we talk about this idea of how we praise. We want to praise with a biblical approach, right? Um, so first of those, tehillah. Tehillah is a Hebrew word that means like a hymn or a song of praise. It's, it's also kind of referred to as like a spontaneous song, right? And, and you've seen me do this probably up here on Sunday mornings before where we're in the middle of a song and all of a sudden there's a, there's a word that's kind of off the page. It's not on the screen, 
it's because I feel like God's wrote something on my heart that is really, really good that I want to deliver to him in praise. Like he's worthy of my praise. I don't want to withhold that from him. I want to give that to him because he's amazing and worthy. So Tehillah, like that spontaneous song of praise. Um, Yadah is to revere or worship with extended hands, to hold out the hands, right? Up, out, body language. Halal is where we get hallelujah. It's to boast or to cheer or to celebrate. It invokes like, like laying aside your inhibitions and, and killing your self-conscious, this idea of just shouting out hallelujah. It means not caring if you look foolish in front of others. Hallelujah literally means praise Yahweh or, or praise the God of the Bible. And we saw an example of this uh, a couple weeks back. Erica was up here and the music was stirring her. I believe the spirit wrote the truth uh, of God's love and she was just caught up in the moment and she shouted hallelujah. That happened a couple times. I don't believe she was doing that to draw attention to herself or to manipulate the circumstance. In fact, I'd argue quite the contrary of that woman. I know her. Um, doesn't like, the, I, would, I, I won't speak on that. But um, Yeah, so uh, halal, hallelujah. A shout of praise. Zamar, to make music or to celebrate in music or song. Um, Tauda is a sacrifice of praise or like a thanksgiving for things not yet received, right? It's like a sacrifice for us to give thanks on something that we haven't even received yet. Barak is to kneel or to, to bless God as an act of adoration, like to salute, to acknowledge his authority and his worthiness, his kingship. Shabak is to shout like to, to, to commend glory or to commend triumph like you would for your favorite sports team, you know, championship game, home run win, you would shout, right? Or when your like, beloved friends of yours say their vows and they get pronounced as husband and wife, like we shout in excitement, think like that. Some of you might think that your singing sounds more like shouting than it does singing. Guess what? You're in. You're nailing it. Uh, keep it up. You're doing what you're supposed to do. Do it more. You're made for it. Jesus cares way less about your pitch and way more about your heart. So again, today I'm kind of honing in. When we talk about praise, I'm kind of wanting to hone in on the, the, the singing of musical praise. And we look at those seven words. Two of those seven words on how we can operate in praising God, two of those seven words in Hebrew directly involve music and singing. And, and I'd argue that music can help enhance the other five practices as well. Through these Hebrew words, God graciously teaches us what it looks like to praise. It's beautiful. Like it gives us the answer to the test. We don't have to wonder about what it looks like. How, how can I deliver you praise? It's like, here's, start with these. You know what I mean? And it's, pretty, it's a pretty good list. Um, but hear me, like singing praise with just your lips, with just your voice, it's only a piece of the puzzle. Right? That's clear here. But singing praise and praise in all of its forms happens when we let the word of Christ dwell richly among us, as Paul says in Colossians. And as we do it, it stirs us to sing with gratitude in our hearts. Does that make sense? We just read that in Colossians. I think that's, that's profound. So let me ask, do you give yourself over to letting the word of Christ, what God says about you, what he declares is true of himself that impacts who you are truly, do you let that dwell richly among you? Do you dwell on that? Do you spend time sitting in that, receiving that as truth, not intellectually, but in your heart? Like, can you say that you dwell on that?
Or do you dwell on maybe your own agenda? Maybe you're focused on um, your own ambitions, like career goals. I really, I'm focused on that. That's what I'm dwelling on most in my life. Maybe it's, uh, am I being a good mother? Maybe that's what I'm really focused on is like these other things. Or do you dwell on the word of Christ that would empower all of those things anyway? So the ways in which we praise, how we praise, we praise God with our entire being. Our minds, our physical bodies, our voices, our limbs, our hearts, our spirit. Singing is really important. Our praise, mine and yours, is important and there's purpose to it. There's good reason to praise. So let's continue to talk about it. That that leads us to our second point, the purpose of our praise. What are the reasons that we sing? What's the intention behind it? Well, first, and I think it's really a a profound one, it brings the Father delight. (laughs) I know that sounds simple, but, but did you know that? Did you know that you and your operating and singing of his praises, you can bring God pleasure? The God of the universe is pleased when you sing to him with a heart filled with gratitude? Like, yes, hear me, God is infinitely pleased with us, with you, because of Jesus, but he also experiences relational pleasure with you. Did you know that? Did you believe that? God experiences relational pleasure with you. Singing God's praise doesn't save us, but it will lead us to the one that does. No one can offer God your praise but you. And and there's a pleasure for you to experience with him and for him to experience with you in you singing his praise. There's a fullness of life that you and I miss out on when we're not experiencing the beauty of the gospel of Jesus that results in a heart filled with gratitude that overflows with musical singing of praise to God. There's a fullness of life that we're missing out on when we don't give ourselves over to dwelling on the word of Christ that would compel us with gratitude to sing out to him for how good he is. Friends, it's actually to your benefit to offer yourself as a living sacrifice of wild outlandish praise. Like who cares, man, I've got Jesus. I don't need to build my own reputation. I don't need approval from other people. I've got Jesus. I've got the God of the universe and we get to be together forever because of his perfect pursuing love on my behalf. Of course I'm gonna give myself over to him. He's worthy. Friends, a life that doesn't contain musical praise to God is like a marriage without physical intimacy. I'll say that again. Hear me though, really let this sink in. A life that doesn't contain musical praise to God is like a marriage without physical intimacy. It's it's like going to the Grand Canyon without eyes to see it. It's not the full picture. There's more beauty for us to experience. It's, it's, It's beautiful. It's him and us experiencing together. One of the purposes of our praise, like we just talked about, is to bring the Father pleasure and delight and to share in that with him. It's beautiful. Another reason, unity with God. Again, simple, it seems simple. We're image bearers of God. God said that we are image bearers of his personhood and God is a singing God, believe it or not. The prophet Zephaniah, fun name, writes about the faithful restoration that God will bring to his people, Israel, and how God is a singing God. And in Zephaniah 3, let's look at these verses, verses 14 through 17, Zephaniah 3, 
says, sing for joy, daughter Zion. Shout loudly, Israel. Be glad and celebrate with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has removed your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The king of Israel, the Lord is among you. You need no longer fear harm. On that day, it will be said to Jerusalem, do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is among you, a warrior who saves. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will be quiet in his love. And hear this, he will delight in you with singing. The father delights in his children. He loves them in his singing over them. God delights in his people. He delights in you with singing. Like God is singing his delight over you eternally. He's so delighted with you that it overflows out of him in praise, not in praise, in singing, in delight. So your singing, it unites you with God and it mean, it's a means by which we can live as image bearers more fully. Does that make sense? Okay, you guys with me? Okay. So, the purpose of our praise. Your praise, brings, your praise brings blessing to God. It blesses him. It helps us see Jesus more clearly and more beautifully. It, it's essential to living uh, life in its fullness. And it unites us with God. We become more like him when we sing. Which leads me to the third point. The impact of our praise. What happens when we do? What happens when we sing praise to God? So I want to do something a little bit fun right now. Um, show of hands, how many of you like movies or TV shows? Okay, fair bit, fair bit. Um, okay, would you agree with me then that like the soundtrack of a movie or a TV show is like really important? It's really influential, impactful, if you will. Yes, okay, I see you. Yeah. Like think of, think of this, think of a suspense movie without a soundtrack. <laughs> think of it. Like... <laughs> It would be far less suspenseful. I was talking with Tom about this. And he's like, you remember that movie Speed from the 90s, Keanu Reeves? Without music, they're just driving around in a bus for two hours. It's not very suspenseful. Far less compelling. But hear me, like more than just the absence of music, I believe music can have a profound impact on your emotional perception. Okay, and so I'm going to do another fun experiment. I'm going to play a video here that I think will help prove my point. There are, there are songs being played over a scene from a movie, which will remain nameless for copyright reasons. The first uh, kind of sequence is the actual soundtrack of the movie. I want you to sit in that and then observe what happens from there. You guys can go ahead and cue that movie up.
Didn't you feel differently watching and listening through that scene with the different songs? Sorry about that. Right, like that first song, the actual soundtrack, it's like super adventurous, right? It has like massive implications in that song. There's like this worldwide thing and they're on the adventure to help, you know, save the world kind of a thing. The second one, the Mission Impossible thing, right? It's like super time sensitive. We got to get there. There's a mission. We got to accomplish it. Let's get there. The third one was just hilarious. Um, And I don't know about you, but what stuck out to me when I was watching that third one is like I hear that song and then I see the two like normal sized human dudes get way further ahead of the dwarf and the dwarf's just back there like, uh, uh, and it just keeps like, brings some humor there, right? And the last one, of course, reaching the triumphal end of the race, you think like slow motion running, right? That whole thing. So the point of sharing that Um, was to bring some tangibility to that reality that musical instrumentation is really powerful. Like it can change the atmosphere in a space, right? It can impact mood. It can allow various emotions to come to the surface in us. It can actually bring meaning to things, actually. It can help define things in our brain psychologically. Uh, There have been a number of studies done on the biological and and psychological effects uh, of singing and music on human beings. Like singing is integrated into the fiber of being human, of a human being. Studies have shown that singing uh, and musical expression, they lower stress. It boosts immunity and lung function. It enhances memory, improves mental health. And it's a powerful mechanism for coping with physical and emotional pain. Like I know many of you take your health really seriously. There's science to prove that singing is really healthy for the human. Okay? Singing enhances memory. That's a big one. How many of you forget things, like me? I forget things all the time. Can't tell you what I ate for dinner last night. But singing enhances our memory. I have some anecdotal proof to share of this. Um, Again, like I said, I grew up here in the Valley, and we had local cable TV growing up on the the CRT televisions, for those of you that remember those, big tube TVs. Channel 3 was the local channel, had local news, student of the month, stuff like that the local high school. And I remember this commercial that came on. And this was a long time ago. This is like easily 25 plus years ago, probably longer than that, actually. Uh, And this commercial was supporting one of the small handful of retail plazas that existed in the Temecula Valley at the time. Uh, The Temecula Town Center. Does everybody know what this is? Yeah? Yes? Temecula Town Center is where Target is, right? Active, um, the Rubios, the list goes on. The Temecula Town Center. Now, bearing in mind, this commercial was not mainstream. Uh, It didn't come on often, maybe once or twice in my entire childhood. And I'm young at this point. I won't tell you how young, but I'm young. Um, But this commercial, it had a silly jingle that to this day, both my brother and I remember. Again, we've heard it once or twice on local cable TV, which is not that memorable. And the jingle went like this. It was, the Temecula Town Center, the smart place to shop. With the people you know. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I'll take that. I'll take that. I've been working on that. That's it. I did it. We're off. That's super silly, right? That silly jingle, the Temecula Town Center, is now engraved into my brain as a result of that silly jingle that I heard once or twice in my childhood. Like, I know that the Temecula Town Center, first of all, exists, and that it's a smart place to shop with people that you know from your community. People that you know. Right? And that's not far-fetched, right? Corporations and businesses have been doing this for ages. They've been trying to write things on our memory. We all think those jingles are silly and lame, but check this out. Let's do another experiment. I'm going to start a jingle, 
see if you can finish it, and then let's see if we can uh, tie the jingle to a brand together. You ready? Okay, I got three of you. Great, cool. The three of us will do it. Ba-da-ba-ba-bum. I'm loving it. What brand? McDonald's. Exactly. Okay, how about this one? The best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. That one's pretty clear. It's Folgers. Come on, baby. Okay, see, it's working. We have proof. How about this one? Uh, Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. Yes. Kit Kat bars. You got to go with that baritone at the end. Okay, last one. How about this one? Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm Insurance. Okay. Think of that. Enhanced memory. Right? We just proved it scientifically in this room right now. None of those brands. Come on. Would we remember those without those jingles? Maybe. Hear me, though. All of those other enhancements, enhanced memory, all those things, those are pretty awesome benefits, right? Like, I think we would all love lower stress, better immunity, uh, and lung function, enhanced memory, improved mental health, etc. Music has a profound impact on us. But hear me, that's not even considering the spiritual implications. That's not even considering the reality that we're spiritual beings, like we talked about a couple weeks ago. Friends, singing songs of praise will, as Paul tells us, let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. The word of Christ, the gospel, and all of its beauty, it compels us to sing songs of praise filled with the truth to Jesus. And singing those praises... To Jesus magnifies the beauty of the gospel within our hearts. It's like this beautiful interconnected reality. The two come together to point us to the glory of God. Like his perfect love, his beauty, his divinity, his majesty, his holiness. Like I'd be willing to bet that you won't leave here reciting the four points from my sermon today or any of them at all for that matter. But you might leave here. You might leave here humming a tune with a profound gospel truth embedded into it. Music and song have the power to open us up to the gospel and to help write the gospel onto our hearts. I might go so far as to say that for me, like if if music wasn't a part of my life, I may have never come to know Jesus. And I'm convinced that the absence of musical expression in my life would have an extremely adverse impact on my intimacy with God and the closeness that I've been able to experience with him over the course of my life. Friends, we don't sing songs here on Sunday mornings to be perceived as cool or to attract people or to entertain. It's not why we do it. We also don't do it to manipulate people. No, we sing songs to take ground on the spiritual battlefield for our humanity, for our souls. It's a fight. We sing to fight and live out the putting to death of the old and the putting on of the new. Your praise matters. You're singing. It matters. Guys, hear me say that. Do you believe that today? Like if you really search your mind and your heart, do you believe it? Do you believe that your singing matters? That brings me to my next point. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't believe that. Let's talk about this next point. The fourth and final point, the barriers to our praise. What keeps or hinders us? from praising God. And I've got like kind of three barriers that I'm going to talk through. It's not an exhaustive list here, um, but I think it'll be helpful and it maybe will help us identify some things and where we're at with this. 
So these three barriers that I'm talking through, they're all related to what we're focused on. Our focus, right? Like the the center of your interest or the centerpiece of your activity. What are you focused on? Uh, A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I were in the living room. She grabbed my attention and she began to chat through like um, some of the wants and some of the needs that she was sensing for our family, right? Like Shep needs new shoes. Um, He grows out of his shoes every four days at this age. So it's like he needs new shoes. He doesn't have a pair of shoes that fit him, the poor kid. Or, you know, Shep needs a shirt for this wedding that we're going to attend. He doesn't have a nice shirt. And again, he grows out of clothes every four or five days now. Um, she talks about like some home decor that would be really nice to make our house like really homey and help kind of tie, tie it in and make it really nice. As she's sharing all of this with me, my mind begins to wander and I begin to think about dollars and cents and like the budget and oh man, I wasn't like planning on this and all of those other things. My focus in that moment wasn't on her and what she was saying. My focus was on money and budgeting. So these three barriers that we're going to talk about, they're all related to what we're focused on. Does that make sense? So the first barrier I want to talk through is focusing on style, right? Like style, boom. I think one of the things we focus on that hinders us from giving ourselves over to singing praise is style. Style, like, like, uh, like I'm just not feeling that song or the music just doesn't do it for me. Like it's not that compelling. The execution's subpar, um, it's, not, it's not the best music. It's not my style of music, right? Or maybe that's like your style. I'm just not a singing person, man. I just don't sing. I'm cool. I'm just chilling here. I'm not a singing guy or gal. I'm not typically an emotional or excited or expressive person. Like, that's just not me. For all you Enneagram fours, right? I'm talking to you. I don't think it's authentic. I don't feel authentic. I just want to be authentic, or at least I want to be perceived as being authentic, Right? all the pressures of this world. Some of us, I understand, like we grew up in traditional backgrounds, this authenticity piece, right? Where it was like, okay, we're gonna stand now during the gathering and we're gonna, now we're gonna sit and then open your book here and turn to this page and clap now on the two and the four or the one and the three or just arbitrarily at that point, it's just, we're just gonna clap and hope that it works out, right? And that didn't seem authentic to you. You're like, that's not authentic. That's not who I am. That's not what I'm about. Some of you maybe grew up in these like hyper charismatic movements, right? Or in, in, the, in the gatherings that were really charismatic where there's like people dancing and flailing and, and like, you know, uh, they're being slayed in the spirit and there's serpents flying around and gatherings going on for four to eight hours and you're like, whoa, this doesn't seem authentic. <laughs> serpents, sorry, I know. Uh, but, but, but hear me. Many of us like never discussed praise in our, in our church settings whatsoever, in our upbringings within the church, in our experience with the church. Like music was just a thing that happened when we were walking in or while we passed baskets around to collect money or it was like the introduction for the teaching time. Like musical praise time was just the preview to the movie and it's like cool if I miss the previews, right? No, no. I remember this barrier of like focusing on style being shattered in my life at my wife's grandmother's funeral. Uh, my wife's grandmother was a, like an organist for like, I think Lutheran, like m- mostly Lutheran, which is very like liturgical, right? Um, and so for her memorial, she wanted to have a musical concert to, to remember and celebrate her life. And so we're there in this massive, you know, like big traditional 
like sanctuary with pipe organs and there's a, a choir in robes. All of them were probably in uh, above 65 years old. Um, and, and I remember they're singing songs in Latin, like not even my native tongue, guys. But I recognize the melody to this, great is thy faithfulness, great is thy, f-. and pipe organ, like none of these instruments, this music is not my style. Okay, and generally I'd be like, okay, at that point I'm out. This isn't like gonna. This isn't my compelling music. This isn't the music that moves me. This isn't my style. And in that moment, I got goosebumps as I remembered the faithfulness of Jesus being sung over me in Latin by a bunch of people that I don't know with a musical style that's not my style. But I was amazed, and like I began to weep because God is so faithful to me. He's amazing. It's not my style, but He bashed through that barrier that would steal my focus. Some of us are so focused on style. I'm not feeling that song. The music's subpar. I'm just not a singing person. Ultimately, our focus is misplaced. Our focus is really, if we're honest, it's on ourselves. What stimulates me? Focusing on style is really all about me consuming rather than me offering. The second barrier that I want to address, focusing on fear. Fear, like an unpleasant emotion. Let's define the term. An unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, is likely to cause pain, or is a threat. As we think about this idea of fear, um, and as we talk about in the context of delivering God and expressing our gratitude and praise to him through music, I want to ask you, do any of these thoughts resonate with you this morning? Again, we want to identify. We don't just want to passively listen. We want to actively listen. We want to actively hear from God in this, for me and for us. Do any of these resonate with you? What will people think of me if I gave myself over to praising and expressing myself to him with gratitude? Or how about this? My voice sounds terrible. What if people hear me sing? What if they hear me sing out of key? Oh my. Or maybe this one. What if I'm a distraction? Or what if I draw attention to myself? I don't, I don't want to be a distraction. Friends, fear is rooted in the what if of our flesh and not the what is because of Jesus not the truth of what is because of Jesus. I'm going to say it again. Fear is rooted in the what if of our flesh, not the truth of what is because of Jesus. Focusing on fear means I care more about what other people think than what God thinks. Okay, the last barrier that I want to acknowledge, focusing on failure. We all know what failure is. It's like the omission. The definition is the omission of expected or required action. It's basically not doing what you're supposed to do, right? Some of you this morning are so focused on your failures that it's keeping you from singing praise to God. In other words, you feel like you need to clean yourself up first. Some of you right now in this very moment, you're harboring bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. Some of you looked at things on the internet that you know you shouldn't have looked at, that you know were unhelpful and you feel condemned. Some of you are really ashamed of your past. I've blown it, therefore I disqualify myself from praising God. Hear me, if that's you, the question is not whether or not you failed. We all have. 
The question is whether or not God is worthy of praise. Like Romans 3 is clear. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The issue is not whether or not we've failed. The issue is, is God worthy? In your heart, in your mind. Or maybe on the flip side of that failure coin, some of you are focused on the ways in which you feel as though God has failed you. Like, God, you let me down. Therefore, there's a part of me that you don't have access to anymore. You don't get my authentic praise. In other words, God needs to meet my expectations. Regardless of what side of that coin you're on, you're focusing on failure, perceived or otherwise, and it's keeping you from singing praise to God as though that determines his worth. Is he worthy? I know I gave you three barriers there, right? Focusing on, uh, focusing on style, fear, focusing on failure, but it's actually just one. It's one barrier. All three of these things are essentially the same thing. It's focusing on self instead of on God. Hear me, you cannot praise God when you're focused on yourself. So what are you focused on? What are you dwelling on? Just a few verses before what we read in Colossians today. In Colossians 3, verse 2, Paul says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. In other words, focus on him. Focus on him, who he is, what he's done. I'm going to call the band up to join me um, at this point, wherever they are. There's a few of us. Um, As they come up, uh, I was living in San Diego a few years back, like I mentioned. I was a part of the restored uptown community. Um, A friend in the church at that time uh, had just had the rug pulled out from under him. Uh, he He was in a new marriage, like months old. This marriage was months old. Uh, And it was beginning to kind of crumble before us as a result of sins committed against God and against him, my friend. And I remember sitting in my apartment with him as he was attempting to process this circumstance and, uh, and his feelings, like there was anger, there was hurt, there was sadness, but there was also like empathy and mercy and like just confusion, really. I mean, you can imagine. Like both of us were hurting deeply, he and his wife were like dear friends of Cassie and I, like really close, some of our closest friends. So this was really painful for all of us involved. But we really hadn't begun to mourn at this point, even though there was like much reason to do so. Like this is heartbreaking stuff that we're in the midst of. And I remember in that moment, we're sitting there in my room, I remember feeling prompted in the midst of like, just kind of like being shocked and bewildered I remember like feeling like I need to grab my guitar. I need to grab my guitar and I need to create space for us sonically. Kind of like what's happening right now. Create space for us sonically so that we can pray and like cry out to God and just sit with Jesus. Because music is profound. It can change the atmosphere. 
And as my friend began to pray, speaking truthfully to God about his anger toward the circumstance, he was angry. Why did this happen? Words to a song that Tom was writing at the time that he and I had been working on together immediately popped into my head like clear as day. In the midst of this painful circumstance, God gave me these words to sing over my friend. Even when I resist, your grace persists. Even though it hurts, I know you're there. In the midst of sin, overruling it, evil cannot win. My friend began to sob and weep uncontrollably in that moment. sang it with a broken and shaky voice emotional myself I sang those words a few more times and we continued to pray the prayers were really authentic guys there was a lot of anger there was a lot of hurt but in that moment there was also this shift like there was gratitude in the midst of that for God's grace we began to pray for prayers of healing for restoration for abundant grace to manifest for prayers of empathy and understanding. Even when I resist, your grace persists, even though it hurts. I know you're there in the midst of sin, overruling it. Evil cannot win. I believe in that moment, music and the truth of God's word came together to bring us to a real spiritual heart space that was raw, but oh, so redemptive. And it was powerful. Our praise in that moment was just simply a shaky and broken declaration of what's true because of Jesus. Hear me, healthfully mourning sin, the sin in the world, the sin in us, the sin around us, the sin that affects us in and of itself is an act of worship. Healthfully mourning that is an act of worship. It can be. But praising Jesus with song in the midst of profoundly experiencing the pain and brokenness in the world can open us up to deeper levels of grief where we can be met with deeper levels of comfort. Many of us are suffering right now. There's things that have happened to us. There's things that we feel that we are doing that we shouldn't be doing. Our focus is on other things. Praising Jesus in the midst of that help lead us to actually healthily grieve and mourn like, like, like Jesus calls us to and we'll be met with deeper levels of comfort by him. Friends, our praise isn't just a cookie cutter thing. It's not a 10-step dance routine. It's not an arranged song or just a to-do on our to-do list. It's not just something that we do for the sake of doing it. It's really messy and it's personal, but it's also communal. We do it together. We experience God together. We praise him together. And there's a blood-bought freedom that the king of the universe purchased for you and for me so that we could be the happiest version of ourselves imaginable and then some. Greater than we could imagine, no matter the circumstance, because we've tasted and seen the goodness of God. And we have an unshakable hope in him and a glimpse of his age to come. No more suffering, no more pain. We see him in all of his goodness and all of his glory and we see ourselves clearly as a result. It's beautiful. That freedom, it includes meeting with him 
It includes hearing from him. It includes receiving his love. And it includes loving him in return. It does involve recklessly praising Jesus with the whole of your being. Singing, dancing, reflecting, enjoying, bowing, shouting, and weeping. When you focus on him, on who he is and what he's done, that he's infinitely wise, that he's infinitely loving and gracious, that he emptied himself out to pursue you, not just the world, but you, that he took on flesh and lived a perfect human life that we could never live and sacrificed that life on the cross so that we'd be credited with it and be freed from the bondage and the penalty and the presence of sin and get to be with him forever. When you focus on him, you can't help but praise him. When you see him, you can't help but praise him. And hear me, you've been freed, guys. Jesus came. It happened. It's finished. The barriers that we just talked about, they've been smashed by Jesus and his perfect work on your behalf. And we have the opportunity to live out that freedom, to enjoy and savor the beauty of Jesus and respond by living that out. Put to death the old, put on the new. We have the opportunity to do that right here and now. And every day, we're free. We have an opportunity to live out the new, better life that we have in Jesus together right now by singing him praises that he is so clearly worthy of. So let's pray. Spirit of God, I just, uh, I ask that you would help us now to focus our minds on you. Like physically, mentally, emotionally, I pray that we would just open ourselves up now. We open our hands, like folded arms is not an open posture. I want to be open to you, Holy Spirit. That you would speak the truth of Jesus' love for me and for us, for each one here. That you would speak that over us. Help our minds to be free from distraction so we can fix our eyes on you, so we can focus on you, so we can let the word of Christ dwell richly among us right now in this space, in this moment. Jesus, I want to be yours. I am yours because of what you say, but in this moment, like I want to live that out. Like I want to step into the freedom that sonship to the king this moment, I pray that all of us would be awakened to the reality of the grace of Jesus poured out and just how worthy you are of of devoting our lives to King Jesus. We're heirs to the throne of the kingdom of God. We get to experience the fullness of life in eternity, but help us not to see that as a far off distant future. Help us to also believe that we can live in that now. We can be washed by your mercy now and we can be wooed by the beauty of your grace and your love now and respond with gratitude in our hearts like you came for me. That we could be together forever and enjoy one another and delight in one another. What a gift. I just ask the Spirit that you would sensitize us to that now in this moment. It's so easy for us as a culture to become desensitized. 
with all the sin and the brokenness in the world, we can be so easily desensitized to the reality of death, to the reality of all of the brokenness in this world, and to the reality of the goodness of your glory and the great, amazing truth of the gospel. I pray in this moment, and I ask, Holy Spirit, would you sensitize us to that reality? Like, that's the best news we could ever hear. It's greater than the game-winning touchdown. It's greater than the Grand Slam home run. It's even greater than the bride and the groom saying, I do. It's greater than the birth of a new child, which are all amazing and celebratory things. King Jesus came for me and he said, it's finished. This one is mine. Help us to dwell in that truth and sit in that. Would you make us sensitive to that being the truth of that being the best news in the entire world that we could ever hear. We have more to celebrate as a people than any people group in the world. So now, Jesus, I ask, would you come and stir in us a desire to see you clearly and to give ourselves over to you with a sacrifice of praise? You are worthy. Help us to sacrifice our comfort, any other idols that would get in the way of us seeing you clearly and responding by praising you in this moment. Because singing praise matters matters to you. Help it to matter to us, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well done, bro. Thank you so much. Will you guys stand if you're able? You're great. three things for you for the next uh, 10 to 15 minutes while we finish up gathering. This is an opportunity for you to respond in praise. This is the primary time of our entire gathering. Everything culminates here. This is the climax of the story. This is the climax of the morning. This is the point right now. Okay? Three things. Awareness of God in your past. Give yourself over to this, okay? Awareness to God in your past. Awareness of God in your present and awareness of God in the future that he's secured for you for eternity. Become aware of him. I don't know if you noticed, I was watching it happen in the room as Mark's preaching. People are becoming more aware of God. Just in your mind. Oh, I'm aware of him. I'm thinking about him. I'm not thinking about all the other things. Oh, he's, t- he's occupying space in my mind. I'm thinking about him. Awareness of God. From that place, engage with him. Engage with him. Bring him your emotions, good, bad, ugly. If you're, if, you're on, if you're on cloud nine right now, bring it to him. Engage with him. If you're really struggling, bring it to him. Engage with him. And then from that place of authentic emotional connection with God, bring him praise. That's what you're going to do right now. Okay? Ready, set, go. I think the biggest takeaway for me and what Mark um, shared with us two things really you're created to praise God you're not fully human, you're not living as a human being if that's absent from your life it's a big thing and then coming out of that it's impossible to praise him when we're focused on ourselves. and hear me friends the world around you is conditioning you to stay focused on you And the more you stay focused on you, the more dangerous of a position you're in because it's impossible to praise him 
and you're focused on yourself and if you're not praising him, you're literally violating your humanity. You're living, you're living contrary to the way that God created you to, to, to operate, which is going to lead to problems. It's going to lead to pain. It's going to lead to struggle. It's going to lead to anxiety. It's going to lead to depression. It's going to lead to all these things that are going to jack you up. But there's something about being confident in him. Even in the midst of crazy, like awful circumstances. Psalm 57, a portion of it says this, my heart is confident in you, O God. And then he repeats it, my heart is confident. Not in me, not in what I'm able to do, not in my talent, not in my strength, not in my gifting, not in my resources, not in any of that. My confident, my heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praise. Wake up, my heart. Wake up, O lyre and harp. It's stringed instruments. I will wake the dawn with my song. It's this picture of him through the night. Delivering God praise. Because he's confident in God. I will thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among the nations. That's a lot of people. Why? Why? For your unfailing love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. That means it's really big. There's something about us being confident in who he is. Check this out. Can we just like, we're in the middle of a gathering and there's like a camera there and there's like, you know, can we just tear all that away and just talk for a second? Do you know that you can look around? Part of the way we're positioned this way is so that you can see each other. That's a really important thing because we're the family of God. Do you know that you can literally observe someone's confidence in God, the status, if you will, of their current condition of their confidence in God? You can literally see it. And it's directly related to their praise being delivered and offered. think about that for just a second. I don't say that to compel you to perform for him. There's no performing that you could do that would ever earn you anything. It's all been done for you. That's the, that's the gospel. It's the grace of God. But do you know what we can do? We can continue to grow in love for one another in assisting each other in observing each other and to literally seeing our spiritual condition, the confidence that we have in God versus the confidence we have in self. Sometimes it's high, sometimes it's low. You can literally tell by watching people, by looking at them. And one of two things are happening. They're either performing, actually maybe three things. They're either performing, because they're trying to hide, or they're trying to, what does it say? Uh, Wake up my heart. That command, like, let's go. Come on, let's go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put my body in motion because my heart's not there yet, but it will be. It will be. I'm jump-starting my heart. Guys, can we just not be people who show up on a Sunday because it's the obligation that we've given ourselves over to? Can we actually come with an agenda, the agenda primarily of praising him? And knowing that we're working collaboratively together to do that, 
People are watching kids so you can be freed up to do that. The band is using music as the, as the incredible gift and artistic expression that it is so we can do that and give ourselves over to that from a place of being confident in him even when circumstances are tough. And then when we see our brothers and sisters focused on self and missing out on their humanity, they're, like they're genuine, God created them with a purpose to enjoy him and obey him and operate like him forever. And they're violent, they're not doing that. They're like, they're, they're missing out. They're being deceived into thinking that, 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 uh, that fullness of life looks like something else. Can we encourage them? I wanna honor Mark, and that's what he did for us. It was an encouragement. He spent hours and hours and hours crafting a message to you to hopefully inspire you to do one thing. Do you know what that one thing is? Fix your eyes on Jesus, because if you do, you'll praise him. But if you fix your eyes on you, if you go inward, that's not what human beings were ever created to do, because we were made in God's image. That means we we're made in his likeness and he's a community of three people. He's a family of three persons, father, son, spirit, each one of them existing to glorify the other. The father's never going, I'm amazing. But the son and the spirit are going, holy, holy, holy. Oh my gosh. And the spirit is declaring the son and the father's glory. Every, each each uh, person of the Trinity totally existing to glorify the other two. We were made in God's image. That means we're not created to focus on ourselves. It's gonna hurt you. It's deceptive lies from the enemy. But if you give yourself over to doing things God's way, watch what will happen. Watch. I wanna pray for us because I honestly believe we're at a fork in the road as a church. Like straight up, hear me. A fork in the road of who we're gonna be. And I want us to be people who fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And enjoy him and encourage each other when other people that we know and love, our church family are in spaces where my hands are in my pockets because he's not worthy. Let me pray for us. Jesus, make us more like you. I want to pray a bold prayer. Do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes to make us more like you. You showed us what it meant, what it looks like to be fully human, to be accurately human is maybe the better picture. You showed us what it looked like to be accurately human. Protect us from the lies of culture, the lies of our flesh, the lies of the enemy that will try to deceive us, that all day long try to deceive us, to get us to believe lies, things that are untrue about where fullness of life as a human being is found. Looking good in front of other people, having our act together, knowing the right answer, knowing the right people, having enough stuff, having the right stuff. Jesus, I'm asking you to make us more like you and to do whatever it takes. The peace, the shalom, the fullness of life that you purchased for us with your blood, 
Let us not be a community that takes that for granted. Let us not be a community that's so busy with other things that we miss out. As Paul wrote in Colossians, that we wouldn't fix our eyes on earthly things, but we would fix our eyes on you. And from that place, we would experience all the joy that you have for us. It's not about being like away from this life. It's about entering into the fullness of this life. Teach us how to do that. Teach us how to walk spiritually as a human. We need you. We love you. And all God's people said, amen. All right, friends. Love you so much. I pray and I hope that you can fix your eyes on Jesus and in those spaces it motivates you to live a life of praise. Enjoy your Sunday. Love you.